Focus on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas, and I'm really good at getting lost, despite the fact that I have a phone with a very irritated voice of a lady in it telling me where I should go, that I should turn around when possible. Nevertheless, I am frequently in that place of wondering where on earth I am. Now, for those ladies who are listening, I hope you'll be encouraged to know that I am a man who is willing to stop and ask for directions. But often when I do that, I get really bored with listening. They're saying, turn left, turn right, second left, right at the dog and duck. And I think, oh, do be quiet. I'd rather be lost right now. I am continually lost. When I became a Christian, it wasn't too long before I discovered that I needed to look for God's will for my life. I discovered verses like James chapter 4 and verse 17, where James says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will. The big question was and is, what is God's will for my life? I got really agitated and tense. I saw the will of God as a tightrope, which was easy to fall off, a bullseye that I might just possibly hit. And then I heard a few preachers who yelled about living second best Christian lives, as if just one turn could cause me to be consigned to some spiritual scrap heap. It all really worried me. I knew that I wasn't rebellious. I really wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do with my life. But what if he was trying to tell me something and I just wasn't hearing him correctly? I became utterly paralyzed in terms of decision-making, unable to move forward. I then discovered Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, was telling me that availability to God was the key, as well as walking with him each day and allowing his word and his spirit to change my mind, that would help me make up my mind. Perhaps you're struggling to know, what does God want me to do? Let's talk about it tonight, here on Lucas on Life. Guidance. It's a word that struck sheer terror, like a dagger to my heart in my early years as a Christian. Things were going quite swimmingly well until the day when someone mentioned something strange called the will of God. I set out on a painful trek to discover God's purposes. Believers wiser than I advised me that I would need to seek guidance. Apparently, two navigational systems were on offer. The perfect will of God was the spot-on, 
180 bang on target version available to the really keen Christians. Then there was something shady called the permissive will of God, which the careless, slightly iffy apprentices of Jesus could walk in. I snorted with disdain, nothing less than the perfect version for me, I insisted. I wanted to be within the perfect will of God to the nearest yard, make that inch. I headed immediately for the local Christian bookshop in search of assistance in these weighty matters. Unfortunately, there were lots of books about guidance on offer which presented an immediate paralyzing dilemma. Which book about finding the will of God was it the will of God for me to buy? I wandered around the shop and abstained from eating food for at least five minutes as I did, thinking that this miniature fast would bring revelation to my soul. Alas, I couldn't decide. Several book covers looked promising, but which was the right one? I was so confused. Some well-meaning folks who might have had previous employment counselling, a chap called Job, did their best to point me in the right direction. One of them said that God would guide me, would speak to me, if I just threw my Bible open at random. I'd just started going out with Kay, who is now my wife, and I was really eager to know if she was part of the perfect plan. Carefully removing all bookmarks, receipts, and empty crisp wrappers from my Bible, I flipped it open and stuck my finger at random on a verse. It was from Proverbs and warned me about hanging around with prostitutes. I was horrified. Was there something that Kay wasn't telling me? Then I tried the practice of using everyday happenings like the changing of traffic lights, for example, as a if this happens, then that means this indicator. Looking back, once again, it seems to me that I must have been worthy of professional help, but you'd be amazed how many people respond when in public meetings I ask how many have tried the traffic light guidance routine. Nervous that the Lord might be calling me away from my apparently wanton girlfriend to a life of celibacy as a missionary somewhere, I offered myself to him while driving one day and asked that if he wanted me to be a missionary, that the next traffic light would turn green for go. Thankfully, the light turned red and I was spared a sweaty call to the Sahara or somewhere like it. Okay, I confess, it was green but I slowed down until it turned red. You're right, this was absolute madness. Then I heard that you could tell that you were in the will of God because you would feel peaceful. Apparently, this sense of peace would be like the umpire in a cricket match. A sense of unrest and emotional turbulence might indicate that the umpire was telling you that you were out for a duck or out of the will of God. This created some serious problems for me because, of course, I, I didn't have peace, mainly because I was terrified of making a mistake. It's like asking a trapeze artist if he feels peaceful, even as he senses that his foot is about to slide off of the trapeze bar. So, as you face the possibility of falling headlong into oblivion below and meeting a rather crunchy end there, do you feel calmness in your soul? I was absolutely locked in a circle of paralysis. I didn't have peace because I didn't have peace because I didn't have peace. Then one day, I decided to take a further look at that Bible verse about peace and the umpire and all that and found out that it is talking about the need for harmonious relationships in the local church and has got absolutely nothing to do with guidance whatsoever. 
As you can imagine, my confusion was deepening. And then somebody told me that finding the will of God was really easy. It would just be the total opposite of anything that I might actually want to do. And I'll talk about that in a moment. We're thinking about how to know what to do with our lives, discovering the will of God. We were very young and foolish, at least that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. A gaggle of fresh-faced Bible college students who were sharing a six-person dormitory, we were all very passionate about our faith, rather convinced that we had what it took to change the world by next Thursday, which, of course, we did not. We got along, mostly, although there was one occasion when two of our number almost got into a fistfight over Calvinism versus Arminianism. Hostilities ceased short of an actual punch-up, although I think that the Calvinists would have triumphed because he felt like everything, including his victory, was eternally predetermined. One of our number had two memorable characteristics. He had a deafening snore and a deep-seated fear that God's will for his life was going to be really bad, that God was going to commission him to be a missionary to some far-flung corner of the globe that he would really not want to go to, never mind live there. As for the snore, many nights we were awakened by what sounded like a mud-basking rhino in our room, which caused much frustration. Those kept awake wrestled with temptation to murder, but resisted as we affirmed that smothering him with a pillow might be a slight overreaction, and by the way, certainly not the will of God. As for his terror about a potential calling to take the gospel to a distant land, he talked endlessly about his worry. His nervousness heightened as each weekly chapel approached the likely zone for a calling to land, and if the chapel speaker was a missionary, his fear factor shot through the roof. He talked about his phobia a great deal, and so one night, when his snoring sounded like a Harley Davidson revving up in our room, we decided to play a little trick. He was in a deep sleep as we gathered around his bed. For about ten minutes, the five of us whispered the same sentence over and over. Go to the mission field. Go to the mission field. Go to the mission field. Our hope was that the repetition would seep into his subconsciousness and we were not to be disappointed. The next morning, the words having penetrated his head, he was in a panic meltdown. Guys, last night I had the same dream over and over and I heard voices calling me. I think the calling to missions is actually happening. This is terrible. We stayed silent and just let him suffer. Payback for our insomnia. Now, you might think that our little joke was rather cruel, but then you didn't have to share a room with a large revving motorcycle. But his concern points to a very real problem. How many of us Christians say that we love Jesus, but sharing our lives with him makes us feel continuously uneasy and on edge? As I've said earlier, I suffered from this in my early days as a follower of Jesus. Someone remarked that the will of God was probably the very opposite of what I might want to do. An idea that portrays God as the one who delights in dreaming up plans for us that we'd find unpalatable. This concerned me greatly because I was going out with a very attractive young lady who I loved, but now if the will of God for me was surely what I wouldn't want then probably the Lord would want me to abandon her. 
This warped thinking nearly cost me the relationship that has led to a wonderful 45-year marriage. Other Christians live anxiously with fear because they're insecure about their salvation and worry that when they finally get to see Jesus face to face, they will be met with a glare rather than a smile. The gift of God is eternal life, but they feel the need to try to pay for it daily anyhow. It's hard to be at peace with such a tetchy being in the house. Living with that kind of Jesus is torment. Now, when it comes to knowing God's will, God may well call us to do the difficult, the awkward, as our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church know all too well. We might be called to even follow a pathway that leads to prison or even the loss of our lives. We're not promised an easy ride. Let's know today that whatever we're called to do, we are utterly loved by him, totally secure in him, and that what he does for and with us is rooted in his stunning kindness and grace. And what about that snoring, reluctant missionary from our dormitory? Well, despite his calling coming from a giggling, whispering group around his bedside, he went on to serve with distinction and success as a missionary for the last 45 years, planting many churches and opening schools in remote areas. Nah, I'm just kidding. We told him about the trick we'd played on him. We told him later that day. He never did get a missionary calling. But this much is true. God's love for us is perfect, and we're invited to rest easy in that love. That's a calling that's very very real. Today, let's make ourselves available to God's purposes. Let's live in his good, perfect will of God for us. Well, as we've been thinking about guidance and knowing the will of God for our lives, I hope that these brief reflections tonight have been of help. Let me also say that we need to heed the call to be people of God's word. God's will can be found in his word. And as I mentioned earlier, let's make ourselves available to him as we offer ourselves genuinely so his will, his purposes can and will unfold in our lives. I'll see you next week. Lucas on Life. 